Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, oh, yeah. Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Baby. Guests appear on the Smile Center Now back to the so Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Baby. Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. With today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome back in. Time now to get to our guy here in the 6 o'clock hour. He is Christian Fowler. Of course, you know him, senior writer, content creator for Bluff City Media. Follow him on Twitter at CFowlerBCM. Uh, and on the Bluff, episode 47 just dropped earlier today. Make sure to go uh, download, check that out, watch it on YouTube. Christian, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Of course, Parky. How you doing, brother? Doing good. Uh, so I, I'm getting ready to talk about Memphis football and the whole deal. And I, I will say that I was uh, kind of surprised a, a little bit uh, about the quarterback at Memphis, Seth Hennigan, uh, coming in. I have been knowing I was going to be filling in for this uh, week, so I've been kind of paying attention to Memphis football uh, more than maybe I, I normally would uh, the last couple of weeks. And I didn't realize that this dude was on the Maxwell Award watch list, the Davy O'Brien Award watch list, uh, the Manning Award watch list. I didn't realize how much hype there was around him. And I, I don't want to necessarily rip him necessarily, but I don't get the hype, I guess, around him. Uh, why was there so much hype around him coming into the season? Uh, honestly, I, I think his freshman year was his best season. He came in true freshman at a high school, at a Ryan high school, and uh, his dad was his head coach, so he's super smart kid, super high football IQ. Came in, battled with uh, Grant Gunnell, who had transferred in from Arizona. Some injury stuff happened with Grant. Seth took over for the season. He was a freshman All-American, and he played really, really good his freshman year. And it just hasn't hit the incline, I think, that most people – locally and nationally kind of expected him to hit like when he when you come in as a true freshman quarterback it doesn't get any more difficult than that and he exceeded expectations so the expectations then became from the fan base and nationally you know national media as well that he would you know continue taking steps you know towards being a a really really good college quarterback and it just it hasn't materialized yet I I mean I think I do think he played one of his better games on Saturday Uh, he's had issues turning the ball over this season he stayed clean in that aspect didn't turn the ball over kind of kept Memphis up and alive throughout that game especially when they went down 17 early so I I think honestly at this point Seth just kind of is what he is he's a really solid quarterback but it's just hard to see him getting to that upper echelon because 
I think a lot of us feel like if it was going to happen, it would have already happened at this point. So he's a junior, right? I got that right? Yeah. Yeah, so true junior. Right. So he's got another year. Um, so he was here, obviously, when the offensive coordinator just came in from Marshall last year uh, in Tim Cramsey. Is this the type of quarterback that he wants to run his offense, or he is he kind of adjusted what he does for Hennigan? I think the pro-style offense is, is more fitting to Tim Cramsey. It's, it, I think Seth is a good quarterback for what he wants to do. And I think last year wasn't necessarily a fair assessment of everything because I, I just don't think Memphis had the skilled position talent to stand out, to make this offense stand out. Now, you know, we see Blake Watson, who has been absolutely incredible. He's on pace for 1,700 all-purpose yards this season, a, a true dual threat running back. Rock Taylor has finally stepped up. People have been waiting on that since he got to Memphis. He was a, a fairly highly rated recruit. Um, so people have been waiting on the breakout from him, and over the last three games have really been the, the best three games of his career, uh, 64 yards, 102 yards, 143 yards, and two touchdowns. So he stepped up, and then you got Demir Blancomsey transferring in from Toledo, who made a big play in the first game against Bethune-Cookman, but, you know, how? <laughs> what does that really mean? And then he finally has a big play again, a 60-yard touchdown in the win on Saturday. So I, I, to, I know it's kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but I think last year wasn't a fair assessment necessarily of what this offense could be. It's clearly been better this year uh, in, in this pro-style system and, and what they're trying to do. But when you don't have weapons, it is hard to evaluate. So I think we're getting a better beat this year on what Tim Cramsey wants to do and what this, uh, what this offense is overall. I watched your On the Bluff podcast on YouTube from last week, and you guys were talking about – scheming Demir open more maybe within the offense to get him more touches within the offense. Realistically, what would you want to see from a touch standpoint for him uh, as part of this offense on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, I think it depends on how they're trying to attack the the defense and what system they're playing against. Like if they're playing a press coverage team, I want to see him be able to take the top off the defense. If they're playing a team that's going to sit back and play soft zone coverage, then throw them screens and let them work in space. So I think it more goes off of, of what kind of defense they're playing rather than force-feeding a guy like Demir because I don't, I don't think that's who he is. I think Rock is probably the guy that you need to target the most on a week-in and week-out basis. But, I, I mean, I think Demir needs at least four to seven touches a week because we saw this week four catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. He doesn't need a ton to make big plays as long as you can get him in space or allow him to get behind the secondary, which is what he did uh, against Boise state on Saturday. Then I think you're going to open up the offense overall because rock's not a deep threat guy. He's more of an intermediate possession receiver. And, you know, then to allow Blake Watson and Sutton Smith and some of these running backs to get running room, you need someone who's going to take the top off the the defense and Demir is clearly that guy for them. When you talk about this Memphis football team, you know, you, you brought up uh, that first half where maybe things didn't go as well as Memphis wanted against Boise State, and then you come storming back uh, and put up a ton of points and, and win a close one against Boise State. Does that speak more about the job uh, of the head coach, uh, Silverfield, at halftime and the adjustments they make, or does it speak to something else? I mean, honestly, overall, it just looked like they came out flat on Saturday, which was surprising because we do a show every week where – we sit down with four of the players and they all seem the guys that we had last week, they all seem uh, to understand the importance of this game. You know, Boise state and Memphis have been two of the best non power five schools in the country over the last several years. So they understood the magnitude of the game and what it meant, even though it wasn't 
a conference game because Boise State's another one of those teams that is going to be in the mix or could have been in the mix for a New Year's Six Bowl. So they understood everything about it. They they got it, and they kind of had that 1-0 and mentality all year. I know that sounds cliche and coach speak, but that's something that's been preached to them, and they clearly, like, every week when we talk to these four players, we hear that every week. So I don't know, I don't know exactly what happened, but they came out flat. They just didn't look good at all until five minutes left in, in the first half. And then they go down, they score two touchdowns, and it really saved that entire game from them. And then we see the big special teams play uh, from Jeff Kanarku blocking the field goal, taking the 80 yards. Momentum was already kind of swung in Memphis's favor, but that was like the full pendulum swing that they needed uh, and obviously used that and, and kind of dominated the rest of the game. Tulane is next, uh, and they just got off of uh, a game against UAB in which Trent Dilfer stole the show by – almost strangling and killing every member of his assistant coaching staff on the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, Tulane won that game 35-28. Uh, what kind of expectations do you have going into this game against Tulane? I think this is another game that is extremely important. I mean, we know what Tulane did last year, uh, beating USC in the Cotton Bowl. It's not the same team. Obviously, when you lose guys like Tajay Spears, it's it's hard to be as dynamic. But Michael Pratt is still one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, if not the best quarterback in the conference. And it's a game that if if they want to realize their ultimate goal of competing for an AAC championship game, then this is a game they're going to have to win. Like, everything's in front of this team. The only loss on the season is to Missouri, so it doesn't affect conference. So starting it off, I know the first conference game is, was Navy earlier in the year, but this is like the meat of the schedule, right? This is when you get into conference play for the rest of the season, and Tulane is arguably your top competition. It's either going to be Tulane or SMU, so – if Memphis can come out and make a statement in this game, then they really could ride that for the rest of the season. So I think this is the most important game on the schedule for Memphis. You bring up SMU, uh, and anytime I hear SMU, I think NIL uh, and the crazy amounts of money that they're going to spend to try and uh, and buy uh, as many wins as possible. How does Memphis deal with the NIL uh, situation uh, and competing for recruits? Yeah, I think I think Memphis is is growing in that department, and I think everyone in college sports and college athletics kind of had to jump on that train. And I think Memphis has done a good job on both sides of the program, football and basketball. And it was a big question last year. A lot of people are over the off season. A lot of people over the off season were asking around, like, if Memphis, is Memphis doing anything? And I worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Like people were worried specifically about the basketball program. You know, what's what's going to happen? Are, are people going to come in? And then you look at the transfer class that Memphis put together with guys like Javon Quinterly and uh, Jaquan Walton and some of just these really, really top caliber transfers that they got. And I, I think that kind of answered the NIO question. Now, do I think they're on SMU's level? No, they're not in a market like Dallas. It's, it's not as much money in Memphis as there is in Dallas. So it, it's not to that level. But I think, you know, for, for what it is, for being a non-Power 5 school in a smaller market, like Memphis is doing just fine on the NIO front. 
Let's talk about Ryan Silverfield, if you don't mind. Talking with Christian Fowler, Bluff City Media. You can follow him uh, on Twitter as well. C. Fowler, uh, BCM, at C. Fowler, BCM. Uh, Silverfield, now obviously he was part of Memphis' staff before getting the head coaching job. But now this, since he's had the head coaching job uh, for the last four four years, eight wins, six wins, seven wins, two of those years, that six and seven win season, three and five in conference. And obviously off to a good start here. Talking about the NIL, talking about recruiting, is the talent base on this team better than it was when he got here? The same? How does it stack up to the previous regime? Based on recruiting rankings, I think he's had either two or three of the top-rated classes in school history. So the talent is is on on par. It's it's very similar. Now, it's development of talent. You know, you got to see these guys come to fruition. We there's been a couple of players that he's recruited that you know are starting to show who they are and they're starting to show up. Uh, obviously, Seth Hennigan and Greg Rubin are two guys on the team that have been starters since they were freshmen. But you just don't necessarily have some of the electric players that you had under Mike Norvell. I mean, Daryl Henderson was a pretty low-rated recruit out of South Panola, but he was electric and ended up being, I believe, a third-round pick in the NFL draft. Tony Pollard, same thing. He was a local guy, not very highly recruited, came in, and you know now he's a star running back in the NFL. So it's just we're not seeing the same level of super explosive talent. I mean, just the guys on that team and Patrick Taylor and Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, DeMonte Coxey, some of those guys, Calvin Austin as well, another guy that came in under Norvell. Like, none of those guys were super well-known or super highly recruited outside of DeMonte Coxey. It's just the players that they turned into. So I, I think that's kind of the next step for Silverfield and this staff is identifying traits, which, you know, they have their list of traits and character, whether it's character on the field, physical, whatever it is, they know what they want. And now it just becomes, how can they develop this talent? How can they find the diamonds in the rough that Norvell and that staff were able to find and identify? I mean, Antonio Gibson was a two-star Juco guy that no one knew about. Obviously was a receiver when he came to Memphis and now he's playing on Sundays as well. So it's just it's just taking it to that next level of developing talent and turning that talent into, you know, not only quality players here, but then players that, that go on to the NFL and produce at that level because we all know how important that is for recruiting as well. I'm kind of a recruiting dork a little bit with college football, so I'm going to ask another recruiting question if it's all right. Has the recruiting map changed at all um, from Norvell to Fowler as far as the areas in which he's choosing to recruit versus where Norvell was, or is he essentially staying pretty much in the in the same area where Norvell was? It, it's very similar. Uh, it's mainly Arkansas and local guys, obviously here in the state of Tennessee. Um, Nashville Texas. was all, yeah, Texas as well. Texas is another big one for them. Mississippi is obviously a place that they recruit highly. So the area is very similar. It's not like Memphis was bringing in a lot of guys from up north or the Midwest or places like that. They did have an Oklahoma pipeline for a second. And honestly, they had a huge Louisiana pipeline for a second as well. They had a guy on staff named uh, Sherman Wilson was the recruiting coordinator. He parlayed the Memphis job into currently being at LSU. So was obviously very good at his job. So for the most part, the main areas are the same, but you know how it goes if you're in the recruiting world. Like, There's different coaches that bring in different areas. There, there's different coaches that have ties to different places, whether they coached at a high school or whether they're closely connected to high school coaches in, in different states. So it, it always changes, but the main areas, the Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, Texas, and Mississippi is pretty much the same as it was under Norvell. 
his expectations pretty much every year right now in Memphis bowl game, essentially of some sort. Yes, absolutely. That is uh, that is that, that box has to be checked. You know, bowl game is kind of a, a non-negotiable. Six wins, especially in the new look American Athletic Conference, should be extremely easy to achieve. I think Memphis is eight or nine consecutive seasons in a bowl game, so that is 100% an expectation. And honestly, like they went to a, ba- a bowl game the past two years, and it was considered you know under expectations. It's not what people had in mind a six-win season is not good enough for Memphis football fans anymore, and it shouldn't be. The bar was set extremely high, and that's the way that Ryan Silverfield and the staff are are looking to push back towards what it was under Coach Norville. Based on what the schedule is looking like the rest of the way, I looked at it earlier, I would assume eight wins is a doable thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people came into the season saying eight, nine wins is kind kind of the bottom mark for this team. And I mean, it make, like I said, it makes sense in this new look. You see what you've already got. You've already got four wins. And then you're looking at Tulane, which is a difficult game. I believe they're currently favored in that game. They're favored against UAB. They're favored against North Texas. They're favored against South Florida. They're favored against Charlotte. Uh, they're at, currently, according to ESPN and FPI, they're small underdogs, SMU, and they're favored against Temple. So there's one game for the rest of the season where they are not favored in. So eight wins would, would once again probably be an underachievement for what people are expecting. That's a great thing. Now, with Silverfield having been on the staff prior to getting the head coaching job uh, and Norvell obviously leaving, is this a destination job, do you feel like, for Ryan Silverfield where he could be here as long as he wants to be here, as long as, as they continue to win games? Or is this going to be another situation where in two or three years you know, we're talking about a new head coach at Memphis and somebody taking the next big, great job? That's always a difficult question, right? Because, I mean, even when Norvell was here, he clearly loved Memphis. He did an interview this past week uh, with Chris Vernon and talked about Memphis and, you know, how he still has connections here and still loves it here. It, it becomes a it – be, uh, for some people, it becomes a money thing, and it should. Like, you're trying to parlay your career into as much success as possible and uh, competing for national championships every year and competing for those five-star recruits that you're just not going to get at Memphis. So – yeah, it's a it's a difficult answer to that question, honestly, because Norvell, when he was here, he clearly loved Memphis like it wasn't a show, and he, he did an interview this past week with Chris Vernon talking about, you know, what Memphis meant to him and what his time here meant to him and talked about the connections that he still has in the city and, you know, that he still roots for Memphis. And I, I truly believe that. I had a personal relationship with Norvell, so I think he did love the city, but when you can go from – making two and a half, three million dollars a year at Memphis to nine million dollars a year at Florida State and you have access to some of the top facilities in the country and to five star recruits and obviously they had a ton of good transfers come in in their latest class. So it, it's it's hard to say. I, I think Silverfield this was his dream job. I mean he said that multiple times, but it, I'm sure it would be hard for him if he got a you know a massive offer from a big power five school to say no. But Ultimately, I, I see I see Silverfield being here. Like I just, it's hard for me to see him anywhere else. Like he's got deep roots here. He's been here for a long time. Uh, he made a conscious decision to come here. He was in the NFL uh, when when Coach Norvell called him. He was with the Minnesota Vikings, so he didn't have to leave the situation he was in. And he had plenty of other opportunities. He's had opportunities when he was the offensive line coach here to leave and go elsewhere and to go to bigger jobs. Uh, I I think there was Alabama rumors at some point 
for him going and being an offensive line coach there. So he's had opportunities to leave and go other places, and he's he's chosen to stay here. So I honestly believe that this is his dream job, and it's hard for me to see him going anywhere. He is Christian Fowler. Check out the On the Bluff podcast, uh, the latest episode, episode 47, uh, now available for you as well. Go check that out uh, on YouTube, part of Bluff City Media City, senior writer and content creator for them. Uh, Christian, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Coming up next, uh, we'll blitz it up. And did you see the video by Trevor Bauer, the former MLB pitcher, last night? Holy cow. We'll talk about it next here on 92.9 FM ESPN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.